Well, as I said before, my name is Christy Wilson, and I am the youth director here. I've been doing that for about eight years. Um, my husband, Nathaniel, and I have been partners here at Lettered Streets from the beginning. And tonight, while our head pastor, Chris, is on his very last week, very last evening of his renewal leave, uh, I get the great privilege and honor of talking about God's Word with you guys. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. So tonight I want to talk about the book of Proverbs. And somehow it felt really appropriate as we were acknowledging our children tonight that, that I get to speak on Proverbs tonight because most people think of Proverbs as filled with wisdom. And honestly, as a parent of four, I've never asked for more wisdom than in my parenting. And we, I believe, should always be asking for wisdom as we shepherd these children. But I wanna just start by inviting you guys to consider just pondering with me. We're going to ponder the book of Proverbs together. We're gonna to see what we can learn. We're gonna see what it might be saying to us, what it might not be saying to us. And we're gonna ponder whether or not it has good news for us today. So that's my invitation to you. I'd like to start with prayer. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that you promised to be with us when we spend time in it and ponder it. So Lord, we ask for your presence here tonight. We ask for you to till the soil of our hearts and grow good and beautiful things that you can use for your purposes. Amen. So I grew up over on the peninsula of Washington State, a small town called Port Angeles. Woo! Anybody been there? And when I was young, through most of my childhood, we had sheep. Uh, we had one, two, or three, not very many, but usually we had a female, and then oftentimes a male, and because of that, we would have baby lambs. So that means when I was young, I got to see baby lambs enter the world. And this was very cool, because within an hour, a baby lamb will be up on its legs, walking around, finding its mother, and nursing, doing what it needs to do to survive in the world. It's kind of like the world of a sheep is ingrained in the mind and body of a lamb right from the start. And interestingly, the world of a sheep is not going to change very much as that lamb turns into an old sheep. It's not like the lamb at some point says to itself, you know, I need a bigger barn. Or I'm gonna grow all the grasses and I'm gonna sample them and see which one I like best. Or I'd like to go to China and see how the sheep there are doing. These are not things that sheep think about. I know this from experience. It's pretty much eat, 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 be safe. Nope. The world of a sheep is pretty much the same from its baby lambness all the way until it is an old lamb. This is not the case with humans, is it? Nathaniel and I have had four baby humans, and they were beautiful, and we loved them right from the start, but man, they were barely human to me. In fact, I used to call my babies my little creatures, because that's what they were like to me. They're like creatures. They, they can barely see, <laughs> they can't walk. They're 100% dependent upon someone else to keep them alive. Baby humans have to grow their world over time. And they do that through relationship, by relating with the world and the people in it. They start to know who they are by what they're called, by how they react to things, what they like, what they don't like. They start to understand the world better through their senses, touching, tasting, seeing, smelling. And they start to get to know people by interacting with them. And the baby will continue to do this its whole life. 
The world of a one-year-old is not the same as that same one-year-old, now five, now 20, now 90. Humans grow their world their whole life. Put simply, humans are world builders. We have to build our worlds. It's how we're made. But we don't just do it individually, do we? We do it together. We do it in groups. We do it in community. There's a whole field of science devoted to the study of building worlds together. It's called sociology. In 1967, sociologist Peter Berger wrote a book called The Sacred Canopy. And in it, he says that societies are worlds. Societies are built and maintained by holding back chaos. Chaos will take down any world. And chaos is held at bay through order through patterns of good life, of good living, right relationship, right behavior, through rules. And according to Berger, societies form their order based on their collective knowledge, their wisdom. Put simply, wisdom builds worlds. Humans use wisdom to build their worlds. The diligent pursuit of wisdom can be seen throughout all of human history. There's a whole genre of literature called wisdom literature. They believe it began in around 3000 BC in Egypt. And it's exactly what it sounds like. It's wisdom written down so that generations following can know the wisdom of the culture and do their part to hold up the society. Wisdom literature can take the form of poems, songs, narratives, instructions, speeches. But maybe the most well-known form of wisdom literature is the proverb. Proverbs are short, wise sayings often characterized by rhyming, rhythm, alliteration, parallels, opposites, and that was so they were easy to memorize. Because throughout most of human history, nobody had the proverbs written down in their home, right? The main tool for education and learning was memorization. Members of a society were expected to memorize the wisdom of their society so that they could do their part. Wisdom literature and Proverbs are not exclusive to these ancient cultures that we have their texts. All cultures have wisdom literature, maybe even wisdom movies, maybe even wisdom tweets. All cultures also have Proverbs. We have Proverbs here in America, don't we? Some of our Proverbs are money talks. The early bird gets the worm. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. The grass is always greener on the other side. Even though all Proverbs are intended to hold some sort of universal truth, they will also always reflect the values of the world in which they're used. So our American Proverbs reflect a world built upon values such as competition and independence, tenacity, power, wealth. Whereas Proverbs from other cultures reflect worlds possibly built upon different values, for example, the Native American Dakota people have a proverb that says, we will be forever known by the tracks we leave in the earth, reflecting a world built upon a very important, even sacred relationship between mankind and Mother Earth. The Chinese have a proverb that says, no one knows the son better than the father, reflecting a world built upon the value of familial relationships. Proverbs are always gonna reflect the values of the world in which they're born and used. So the Bible has Proverbs, has a whole book of them. It's called Proverbs. 
So it makes sense that if I realize I'm a world builder and I'm going to be building worlds and I need to use wisdom to do it, that I would turn to the Bible to use its proverbs to build a world that reflects God's, God's values. That makes sense, doesn't it? And yet, as Andy so eloquently read for our scripture reading, she read two proverbs, one right after the other. They clearly contradict each other, don't they? Do not speak to a fool according to his folly. Speak to a fool according to his folly. This is an indication to us that it might not be as easy as we would like. That if I'm turning to the book of Proverbs to try and get a moral checklist that I can mark off and feel really good about how I'm doing, like I'm in the right, I'm probably gonna be disappointed. If I turn to the Bible to get a moral checklist or I construct one out of the Bible, I'm either disappointed or maybe I'm using the Bible wrong. Because if we have the moral checklist, we don't need God. That is not what the book of Proverbs is offering to us. Let's take a minute and look at those two contradictory Proverbs. Yes, they contradict each other, but does that mean they negate one another? Does that mean one is true and the other is false? The first one says, do not speak to a fool according to his folly or you will be like him yourself. Let's imagine for a minute you're in a conversation with someone, you're talking about something you don't agree on, maybe politics. And the person you're talking to starts ranting, using offensive language and inflammatory statements and you know they're saying things that really aren't true, but you also know if you engage in this conversation, you will start using offensive language and inflammatory statements and possibly bending the truth because you're really annoyed. So you know in this situation, probably the best thing to do is either ignore them or maybe leave the room if you have to. The next proverb says, answer a fool according to his folly or he will be wise in his own eyes. Maybe you can think of a situation where you've been granted some sort of power or authority. Maybe you're seen as an expert in a particular topic and someone comes up to you and they start talking about this topic and it's clear they don't really know what they're talking about. They sound a little foolish. But they have come to you because they know you have authority in this and they would actually want you to correct them. They don't, they don't want to be seen as a fool in this. They would receive your correction. So based on context, I think both of these proverbs can be seen as a good path, a wise one even. Clearly, how, but how do we know which one to use and when, right? Clearly there is something outside of the Proverbs themselves that is necessary for us to know how to use the Proverbs. Wisdom lives outside of the Proverbs. What is this wisdom and how do we get it? Well, that is what the book of Proverbs is actually all about. Little background, most people think of Proverbs as being written by Solomon. In fact, right there in the beginning of the book, it says the Proverbs of Solomon. But there are some other authors who are given some credit for some of the Proverbs. There's some guy named Augur. There's a King Lemuel. There are some quote-unquote wise men and some men of Hezekiah. So the book of Proverbs is an anthology, a collection of Proverbs, wise sayings, wise literature, written down probably by multiple different authors over a long period of time, probably 
hundreds and hundreds of years. If we look at the book itself, we will find it is divided into two parts. Chapters 10 through 31 are the actual Proverbs, the wise sayings that most of us think of. But chapters one through nine are different. They are wisdom speeches, and they're given by some unknown father to his son. Most biblical scholars agree, chapters 10 through 31, they are the Proverbs, the order of the Hebrew people that they used to hold up their society. And these Proverbs were probably written from the time of Solomon, if not before, around 1000 BC, all the way down to the time of King Hezekiah, if not after, around the sixth century BC. But the book itself was not actually assembled, put together, made into a book, most scholars think until about four or 500 BC. And at that time, when they were making the book, they wrote chapters one through nine, and they put them at the beginning of the book as if to say, read this first. So we're gonna do a little bit of that right now. We're just gonna read a small section of the beginning of the book, the parts we're supposed to read first. If you don't mind standing. This is Proverbs 8, chapter 8, verses 22 to 31. Just so you know, in this text, wisdom is personified. She's a character, she's a woman. And she's giving a speech, and she says this to us. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was appointed from eternity, from the beginning, before the world began. When there were no oceans, I was given birth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains were settled in place. When he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above, and fix securely the fountains of the deep. When he gave the sea its boundaries so the waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was the craftsman at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world, and delighting in mankind. Thank you, you may be seated. You guys hear what's happening in this passage? It's world building. Just like Peter Berger said in 1967, the Bible is telling us here in 500 BC, wisdom builds worlds. God is using wisdom, his wisdom, to build the world, our world. He is setting up boundaries and holding back the chaos of the deep. He is ordering the world and setting up patterns for a good and beautiful life for his creation. In this passage, the book of Proverbs is telling us something very important. It's the thing we're supposed to read first. And that thing is this. God is the true world builder, not us. He is the creator. We are the created one. We're invited to co-create with him. That is part of our purpose. But God sits on the throne. We do not. This message in Proverbs would have stood in stark contrast to all the other wisdom literature of the day. The Egyptians, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, they all had wisdom literature. And honestly, a lot of it looks and sounds a lot like what we read in our book of Proverbs. 
This shouldn't shock or alarm us. These societies knew about each other and each other's texts. Makes sense that they sometimes borrowed, hey, that's a good one, borrowed them. But also, it was God's way to use the language and stories of the day to reveal himself to his people. And all these other cultures, they were also religious. They all believed in some sort of otherworldly, transcendent order. And it was important to figure out what it was and line your life up with it, or who knows what's gonna happen. But in these cultures, acknowledging the gods or goddesses was a part of the order of their society. Like, you know, there might be proverbs saying, make sure you acknowledge the fertility god during the planting season and make sacrifices during the harvest. Within these cultures and their wisdom literature, the order that acknowledging the gods was part of the societal order. The book of Proverbs is saying, acknowledging God is the start of any societal order. Proverbs chapter nine, verse 10 says that very nicely. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That is a temporal requirement, meaning if you have a timeline, to you guys, your timeline begins right here, right? Over here, you have to start with God. You have to start by acknowledging God. The fear of the Lord, let's think of it like this. It's a relationship where we acknowledge he's God and we're not. And that's where we have to start. If we ever hope to get a wisdom that is good, not just for us, but for everyone, and before we hope to build a world that is good, not just for us, but for everyone, the book of Proverbs is reminding the people, the Hebrew people, of this truth. And they needed to hear it because if the scholars are right, and this book was put together in four or 500 BC, that is post-exile. The Hebrew people had a world. The nation of Israel was a world that God had built with and for them. And somewhere along the line, they kicked God off the throne, tried to sit on it themselves, and they lost their world. They were exiled. So when this book was being put together, those Hebrew people are coming out of exile slowly, coming back to the land, and they're ready to try again. And this book is reminding them, put God first. They needed to hear that message. I think we today need to hear that message. That God is the creator, he's in charge, we're not. And really, you know, that's really hard to acknowledge at times, isn't it? Sometimes I wanna be the creator, I wanna be in charge. I wanna build a world where I can guarantee that my loved ones are safe. I wanna build a world that offers opportunity, success to my children, health for my husband, peace for my mind. Frankly, sometimes I wanna build a world that's better than this one because there's a lot that's wrong in this world, isn't there? There's a lot of pain and injustice and loss and sorrow, disappointment, and I don't like it. Sometimes I can be tempted to think, maybe I can do it better. Maybe we, together, can do it better. Because, guys, we have all the knowledge at our fingertips today, don't we? If you have a phone, you have access to all the information ever. Doesn't it seem like 
if we just learned enough, had enough experience, traveled enough, met enough people, worked on ourselves enough, doesn't it seem like we ought to be able to build a world, a society that has no prejudice, does no harm to anyone in it or out of it, carries no trauma, doesn't rely on systems that have to expand to even exist. And yet our history books, our newspapers, our internet, whatever you use, is telling us that we have yet to succeed at this. We can't actually build a good and lasting world for all people on our own. That's God's job. Which can actually be good news if you really think about it. Because sometimes when I do fall into that trap of thinking, oh my gosh, maybe I can, oh, maybe I should, oh, I have, there's an expectation that I build a perfect world for myself, for my children, for your students, for this congregation, for this town, for the whole world, I get pretty darn anxious. And so it is good news to me when I remember that God is God and this is his world. Proverbs one through nine are a reminder to the Hebrew people, to us, that God comes first, he's the creator. And in all that we do, we need to start with him. And then Proverbs 10 through 31, the actual Proverbs themselves, they are an invitation to do that very thing. If you spend any time in the Proverbs, which I encourage you to do, there are 31 chapters, that's one chapter for every day of the month. Neat little trick there. Ponder them, spend time with them, wrestle with them. They cover a vast swath of life, of life today, of our world today, a world in which we have to deal with fools. And we are susceptible to being fools ourselves. A world in which the wicked still have power and influence, and we gotta figure out what to do about that. And we have to be careful not to be wicked with our power and influence. Interestingly, the book of Proverbs does not spend time questioning the providence of God in this world where wickedness still exists, where sometimes people work hard and don't get the long life. But the other two wisdom books of the Bible, which are Job and Ecclesiastes, they do spend time on those questions. And the three wisdom books of the Bible are meant to be read together to get a more complete picture of God's wisdom. So check them out. But no, the book of Proverbs is very much about our world today. And in fact, it makes almost no reference to the redemptive narrative arc of the rest of the Bible. Even though these are the Proverbs of the Hebrew people themselves, there's no mention of the nation of Israel as God's chosen people. There's no reference to a need for a Messiah and a hope for salvation. There's no reference to pointing forward to a redemption and a perfect world. Nope, Proverbs is a book about the here and now. Of course, it's couched within a whole Bible. We always have to remember that when we approach anything in the Bible. But this book is talking to us about all aspects of our here and now and inviting us to bring God into them. There are Proverbs that lay out wisdom, God's wisdom, for the marketplace, for the courtroom, the dining room, the bedroom, the field, the farm, the palace. There are Proverbs that speak into all the relationships we have, 
our marriages, our friendships, relationships with neighbors, relationships in our jobs, relationships with the rulers of the land. There are Proverbs that address the brokenness of the world, oppression and injustice, tyranny. But there's also Proverbs that remind us of the beauty of the world. All that we see and do, say and taste and touch and feel and experience as humans in this world, the Proverbs invite us to bring God into all of it. God is already there. It's his world. But he does wait for invitation. And when we invite him, we end up using his wisdom in all our building. We're always building something. Whatever I say or don't say, I'm building something. Whatever I do or don't do, I'm building something for myself and everyone around me. And I firmly believe that if we invite God's wisdom and his lordship into all aspects of our life, we will build more of his goodness, his love, his peace, his justice, his beauty, his joy, his reconciliation for a world that desperately needs it. The Proverbs say that nicely. They say, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. That creation poem I read to you from chapter eight, wisdom ends it by saying, I was the craftsman at his side. And I think that's a really beautiful way to think about it. Wisdom is at the side of the Lord. And then she says, and I was rejoicing always. I think in all our world building, our main goal should be to be at Jesus' God's side. I'm jumping into the New Testament, but that's okay. To be at God's side. To be in his presence. To put him first. Because maybe wisdom isn't actually about knowing all the things. Maybe wisdom is about knowing the one who made all the things. Let's ponder that some more as we move to the table. But first I'd like to pray. Lord, thank you for your presence in this place and what you're building here. In all our ways, Lord, let us acknowledge you. Let us be in your presence. And to those here tonight who are wondering if they should invite you into their lives, I bless that wondering. And to all who are longing to invite you into their lives, I bless the longing to all who are struggling to invite you into their lives. I bless the struggle. And to all who are endeavoring to truly bring you into all they do, I bless the endeavor. Lord, thank you that you come to us when we seek you. Amen.